Hey, how's it going? Good. Welcome to Tell You What, the podcast, where we talk with musicians about songwriting and the creative process. Our guest on today's episode is Kentucky-based musician and songwriter Jeremy Pinnell. I am here in the Tell You What studios, and I am joined by the executive producer of the podcast, so I better not screw this up. How are we doing so far? Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. We'll try and keep that up. So it's been a little while since we released our last episode here, but we haven't been slacking. We now have a handful of episodes ready to go, done some great interviews lately, and we'll be releasing them over the next few weeks and months. I've also just returned from a fun week in Nashville at the Americana Fest. Recorded a great episode there with some amazing young artists, Vivian and Riley. That episode will be out in a couple of months, I think. And I also heard a lot of great new music. I was able to see live shows for the first time from a few artists that we've had here on the show during quarantine, but I've never been able to see them perform live before, including, who did we see? Anna Tivill, Arlo McKinley, Katie Pruitt, Rachel Bayman. It was great to complete the circle on those, and their shows did not disappoint. Lucky. Yes, I said we. It was actually I that went to those <laughs> shows. <laughs> So those of you who listened to our episode earlier this year with Arla McKinley, which I presume is all of you, correct? At least everyone in this room? I did. All right, good. You may remember Arlo talking about his early years, making friends with a guy named Jeremy Pinnell. I know Arlo said he really learned how to write a song by watching and recording with Jeremy. Here in this episode, Jeremy remembers meeting this guy named Arla McKinley and being amazed at his singing and learning from Arlo how to use his voice. I found it interesting to hear about how great musicians find each other at early ages. Arlo and Jeremy were in their late teens, just figuring things out. When they met each other, each recognized the talent of the other. You might call it wonderful happenstance that the members of the Beatles or the Rolling Stones, for example, found each other when they were quite young. But it took more than luck for these young artists to recognize what they saw and know that they wanted to connect and work with each other. Arlo and Jeremy found that in each other, and they've remained musical friends to this day, 20 or so years later. So Jeremy's released a new record, his third studio album, called Goodbye L.A. It's a great-sounding record. Jeremy tells us how he wanted to make a record that sounded happy, that made people happy. But the themes here are still thoughtful. Several of the songs are reflections on the conflict facing touring musicians as they try to pursue their craft and their calling while trying to balance the rest of their lives as they get older. Family, relationships, home, stability. I do want to point out one of the things I found fascinating in this talk. Jeremy's discussing his songwriting process. You know, does he use the guitar? Is he using phone memos? Is he writing things down? It comes out that he has written several songs start to finish without picking up his guitar or writing anything down. Stop. It's interesting, isn't it? Somehow he keeps the whole thing in his head. Melody, chorus, verses, chords, all of it in his head to completion. Then he goes about recording it or writing it down. Kind of amazing. I don't think I could do that. <laughs> so give this record of Jeremy's Goodbye LA some spins. Hopefully it makes you feel happy. And look for him out on the road. He's excited to get back out there. 
Evidently, I have committed to showing some dance moves when he plays up this way. I have some pretty good moves, don't I? Well, you have moves. I have moves. All right, we've determined that. Quick shout out to Allison Mahal at IVPR for helping us put this discussion together. Really appreciate it. So let's get to it. Here's our Tell You What discussion with Jeremy Pinnell. All right, Jeremy Pinnell, welcome to Tell You What, the podcast. Thanks so much for making the time for this. Thank you. You are talking to us from your home in Kentucky, you just told me, is that right? I am, Southgate, Kentucky. Great. Your new record, Goodbye L.A., comes out in a few weeks. I imagine you're looking forward to finally getting those songs out into the world. Yeah, I am. I'm I'm curious to see what people think. Uh, It's weird because I was just thinking about this today. Like, you kind of, like, introduce new songs, like, into the world, and you don't, like, nothing really happens, you know? And it's... It's kind of strange that that's like the way it is, right? I mean, just putting out yeah. a whole record, 10 songs that you're really proud of, and then people pay attention to it for a month or a month and a half, you know, and they don't see all the work you put behind it. So I'm kind of curious to see how this record does, you know? Yeah. Have you been out there playing these songs live for a while now? or? Uh, we were playing them about a year and a half ago because we were just kind of trying to get studio ready, you know? Yeah. Uh, so right before the pandemic and leading up to the pandemic, we were record, we were playing them out live just so we could uh, be studio ready. And then, and then after we recorded the record, we kind of put the hush on them and then kind of just hung back, you know? We played a few of them, but not too many, yeah. you know? Yeah, so that's going to be fun to get out there and really play all the songs again live too yeah i'm a little nervous to play these songs with the band because we haven't i mean we're going to get some rehearsals in this month but uh our our release show is october 8th in in newport kentucky and uh and we haven't we haven't played these songs since um march of 2020 so wow yeah it'll be interesting well i'm I'm sure you'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> that's what you do. Thanks for your right. confidence. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go back in time a little bit. You were raised in Kentucky. Do I have that right? I was, yep. Yeah. Can we talk about your, uh, your early days a little bit, your like childhood musical memories, maybe how some of the music that you remember from those days in your home, your community, has made its way into what you're creating now? So I I grew up in uh, northern Kentucky, and uh, originally I was born in Cincinnati and lived in Madisonville, which is right by Norwood, which is right where Arlo McKinley's from. Yeah. And and we moved over here when I was seven years old. And uh, it was, I don't know if my parents moved over here because of a church they wanted to attend and um you know church is a big thing in our area and uh yeah and so i grew up you know seeing my dad play music in church he he was a great singer he is a great singer and uh 
he was a bass player, and uh, so I grew up watching him every Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday, in church wow. playing music, you know, and, uh, and that's kind of where you learn how to sing through church songs and hymns and clapping and and keeping rhythm. So it was a it was a musical education, I guess you could say. Yeah. So and was your dad a musical influence in other ways outside the church as well? Uh, yeah, he was. Uh, so we would have family get-togethers, and then we would have friends come over and whatever. And he would, you know, play uh, some, like, I'd get to hear, like, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and uh, and I'd get to hear um, uh, some Beatles songs. or, And so I'd get to l- hear a little bit, but we were, we grew up in a pretty uh, uh, religious home, and we didn't listen to much uh, secular music at the time growing okay. up, you know? Yeah. So when did you first pick up a guitar? Uh, my dad had this Ovation round back because I think at the time that was a thing, right? Everybody played them. I think Neil Diamond, that was like his go-to guitar. And, uh, and everybody did Kung Fu. So there was like Kung Fu and Ovation guitars, I guess, from what I remember, <laughs> you know? Do you think those things are related? Uh, I'm just thinking about them right now and, and it's funny putting <laughs> the pieces together, you know? <laughs> Yeah, so it, my dad, I told my dad I wanted a guitar, and he said, well, play this guitar, and if you learn, if you, if I see you want to learn, then I'll buy you an electric guitar. So, hmm. you know, I just practiced on that for a long time, just learning basic chords. He showed yeah. me some basic chords, and then, <clears throat> and then finally, you know, I don't know how long later, you know, my memory is not very good at all. But uh, he bought me an, a, little, a little electric guitar. Uh, it was a court electric guitar with a Gorilla amplifier, you know. And uh, yeah. I just went in and turned it up to 10 and figured out how to turn the distortion on, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I was around 13 years old, I think, maybe. Yeah. But you'd been singing for a long time. Would you consider voice your first instrument then? Uh, yeah, without knowing it, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, because to, to this day, I'm not much of a guitar player. You know, okay. I like singing more than I like playing the guitar, you know. So did you maybe consider the guitar something just to accompany yourself with then? For sure. I never use the guitar. Uh, when I play guitar, I always lead with the vocal. Like if it's just me and the acoustic guitar, yeah. Yeah, I use it as a as a way of getting across what I'm trying to say, or uh, with some kind of emotion through through my voice, you know. Yeah. So when did you start? Were you playing with other people when you were like in high school? Were you part of bands, or were you always kind of doing your own thing? Yeah, uh, I I joined some some smaller bands. Uh, you know, you're a young kid, you grew up in church, so when you get a little bit older, 16, 17, you, you, uh, you get to smoke a little grass, and then you get to, mm-hmm. like, find out about punk rock music, and then by the time you're 17, at least in my case, I was out the door, you know? Yeah. And, um, and, and stumbled into the world of punk rock, you know? And, uh, and at that time, growing up in the church and being restricted like that, it, you know, you just go 
full throttle and anything against any kind of authority, religion, whatever it is, you know. And yep. uh, I think 18, 19, I started to cool down a little bit and uh, kind of switched gears. I heard a Palace music record when I was 18. We were we had got a bus ticket up to New York. Uh, I had $30 in my pocket, and we were just going to live on the street. And um, we went up there, and we had a friend that lived there from Kentucky, and uh, we stayed with him, and uh, and he let me hear a, a Palace Music record. And it changed my life. It, it I was like, oh, I want to do this, you know? And... Uh, and then it quickly escalated into like, um, you know, Johnny Paycheck's greatest hits. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to stop you. I don't think I'm familiar with Palace music. Oh, really? It's a is a guy yeah. named Will Oldham. Um, yeah, he he originally it was Palace music, and then uh, okay, and then he has he's Bonnie Prince Billy. Now, if you're familiar yep. with that. Okay. Yeah, and then I found Whiskey Town, you know, with Ryan Adams and Sunvolt, Uncle Tupelo, yeah. and you just kind of right. just, you know. So stumped. you moved past the punk stage pretty quickly there. Yeah, I mean, I found, I found something like really honest, and but it yeah. was a little more laid back, and I'm a laid back dude, you know. Well, you found some good songwriting too, Uncle Tupelo, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, Jay Farrar, I've always been a huge fan of Jay Farrar. Uh, you know, so that was about 25 years ago. And, uh, yeah, and um, yeah, that's kind of... So, so when did you start start writing songs then? Uh, you know, it wasn't... I was 18, 19 writing songs, and uh, I ran into Arlo... Uh, we went to see a band. Uh, there was a band called Snake Fixer, and they were from Kentucky, and they were playing. Is Arlo McKinley we're talking about again? Yeah, and uh, okay, and I I had been in the studio uh, recording some uh, alternative country stuff, and I let Arlo hear it, and then we became fast friends. He he really liked what I was doing and. And that he was such a great singer that me and him just kind of like fit together, and we started a folk group uh, called the Great Depression. And um, mm-hmm. and if you dig deep enough, you'll find that on the internet. And uh, I'm gonna do that. Yeah, and I was just kind of writing, you know, struggling with like the idea of uh, like kind of exiting uh, church. And that kind of life, so I, I I still dealt with a lot of that conviction, and a lot of that guilt that comes along with religion was kind of like transferred over, and, and songwriting was uh, a a way to get maybe a little relief of, from that, you know. Yeah. You are not the first guest I've had who has said similar things about their background and how songwriting was their way to kind of process their way that their life kind of opened up. It's interesting. Yeah. So when you moved to New York and you did this and you're with Arlo, is this when you're starting to think, hey, maybe I could make some money by doing this and maybe make a career out of this? No, I didn't move to New York. We just, I headed back shortly after I heard that Palace Music record. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I had, uh, our, uh, New York was tough on an 18-year-old with $30 in his pocket, you know. <laughs> Does not sound like a solid plan, I guess, say that. <laughs> no. 
no, but uh, you get some experience, you know. Yes. Uh, I remember getting off the bus and uh, there was a lady uh, using the restroom on the sidewalk and the cops just <laughs> yelled at her and told her she had to go use the sidewalk down the street. And I was like, oh, okay, this is New York, you know. <laughs> and um, And I didn't really think anything about money for years later. Um, yeah, you know, the idea of even playing music full time really didn't happen till like three years ago, you know? Okay. Okay. Wow. But you were playing gigs back then when you were a young person though. We were, we were making records yeah. and, um, playing yeah. gigs and we had some opportunities, but we were young, you know, and, uh, and young people do young people things and, um, you know, yeah, yeah, I mean, I you you know the story probably, you know. I've I've heard some stories. <laughs> uh, we don't need to get into it. We can talk about your process a little bit now if if you want to. Sure. Um, I'm sure there's not one way your songs come to life, but would you say you have a lyrical idea or theme first, then you pick up the guitar? Are you sitting with the guitar in your hands generally when the songs come to life? Uh, yeah, I usually like hear something or mis mistakenly say something and mm. it'll kind of catch my attention, you know. I heard a woman say about a year ago, she was talking about being sick and, uh, and she said there was, uh, buzzards on the bedpost and I was like, man, that is like powerful, right? And, uh, yeah. and you hear things like that along the way and you, you, you just hang on to them, you know, maybe use them later. Or, yeah. Um, so, yeah, usually I come up with something like that, and then um, I'll come up with a melody or something, and then it'll go from there. Yeah. Are you writing these things down or putting them in your phone or something when you get these ideas? Uh, sometimes, but the ones that you put in your phone don't, don't, seem, to, uh, don't seem to stick. Um, <laughs> the ideas that you hang on to... Uh, mentally, like, you know, just by remembering, like, those seem to stick, you know. I go yep. through my phone and I, I look through all my notes and voice memos and I'm like, man, that's garbage, that's garbage, that's garbage, you know. If it's good enough for you to remember it, then it's good enough to put in a song and if you don't remember it, then maybe not, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Do you try to have, like, dedicated time when you write? Like, I'm going to sit down for an hour or two now and see what I come up with? Or is it more like you had an inspiration and then you grab the guitar and maybe something happens. Yeah, I don't I don't force it. I don't sit down and and with the guitar. I hardly ever sit down with my guitar. I'd probably be a lot mm. better if I did, you know. And um but I I'm a I'm a huge fan of like going and like living life. And then when you go experience life, you you can make good art, you know. Yeah. And uh, if you're just sitting down writing about things that you don't know about or or other people I mean there's time for that and there's artists that do that and it's they make great music but for me personally I have to go out and uh and experience some things before I can sit down and and that the that'll always come music will always come I just need to like be patient you know so I don't yeah. force it Yeah I was going to get to this later but you you, you took us there 
from what I can tell, your songs all seem to come from like a place of personal truth, right? Inspired by things in your life or reflections on your life, things you think are important, as opposed to talking about someone else's story or um, something like that. So you've started to talk about this already, but have you thought about this like, this is what works for me as a songwriter. I tried this other thing about writing about other people and this is what I'm good at, or is it just the way you've always done it? I just always feel like I can connect with uh, uh, the listener a lot better when I'm being honest about something maybe that they don't want to be honest about. But, uh, mm. you know, if you can do that through your music, that then they're like, oh, I, I identify with that also, you know. And... Um, and it's just really just about human defects or or something along those lines that connect you with the with another human being you know so yep do you so you say you get one of these ideas do you tend to stick with one song and try and work your way through it or do you end up with pieces of this song pieces of that and then come back to them and try and figure out what's going to become a song yeah i'm a little um I'm, I get a little uh, insane and when it comes to that. Like, once I start writing, uh, I'll just have to finish it, you know? Like, uh, yeah. whether it be the next day or it'll be five minutes, ten minutes, or, you know, two or three days, um, I'll just keep going over it in my head and, um, you know, trying to get it all together. And then... Um, I'll sit down with my guitar at some point and put some music to it, you know? So you will go through the process of writing the lyrics and have a melody and get pretty far before you even pick up the guitar? Yeah, I'll normally, like, uh, on our, our 2017 record, Ties of Blood and Affection, there's uh, the song on there called uh, Feel This Right. And so, like, w- with you got the... You know, I don't know if I might have came up with the chorus first, but then you have a simple like uh, one, four, five like uh, verse, and it's just uh, it's just real simple. Like some call them teardrops, I'd call it pain, and then you get that first verse, and you know how that's gonna go, so you don't need the guitar anymore. You can just go <laughs> to work, and then you can you can remember that the way you sang it and then you just remember the melody and then you start trying different things out, you know? And so you don't need a pen and a paper. You just need to go out and go to work. So you're not, you don't have a guitar or a pen or a paper when you're writing these songs. Some of them. Yeah. I mean, some of them I sit down with a guitar, but I like doing that. That's interesting. Yeah. Let's get back to your the, the personal aspect of your songs. Since your songs are so personal, I know you haven't been touring, but you did. You have spent your life kind of touring. How does it feel to sing these personal stories night after night? Does your emotional relationship to them change over time? Yeah, I think you figure out different ways to enjoy the songs, you know, because uh, you grow yeah. as a human being and you, you have to, as a musician, you have to constantly recreate yourself and and recreate the song. And if you're playing it every night, it can it can get in kind of a rhythm, you know, to where you're just like, okay, we know the next song, let's go through it. Uh, but there's also a lot of power in that, you know, uh, yeah. uh, being with a group of guys and uh, 
I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Like me and the guys I play music with, like we, you just make real friends, you know? And uh, when you're in a strange place and it's sometimes it's dangerous, sometimes it's not, but you experience all these things together and then you're on stage every night making music together. Uh, it's a powerful thing. Yep. All right, let's talk about your new record, Goodbye L.A. Mm-hmm. Musically, this seems like a bit of a progression for you, maybe more of a rockin' vibe than your previous records. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would. <laughs> Why do you think you, you chose to go down this path? Uh, so I met a guy I play music with now, a guy named Junior Tutwiler. He's a guitar player on that record. And I met him a couple years ago uh, through a manager I had in Nashville, a guy named Terry Rickards. And Junior's originally from uh, uh, State College. And um, he came down to Nashville, and I met him the first night he moved to Nashville. And then I think it was a month later we got to hook up and play some music. But he uh, he's just such an incredible guitar player and musician. And I've always listened to, like, country music and and uh rock music uh but he was really into blues music and uh and it really got me looking at the blues side of country music and uh mm-hmm. and so when i wrote this record i like I, w- I had junior like junior playing the guitar was just he was just as much as the songs were you know what i'm saying like uh I wrote that record with him in mind, you know? So so he wasn't actually writing the songs with you, but he was in your head, kind of. Yeah, so I was writing the songs, and we were putting them together while we were traveling, you know? Um, yeah. So as you're writing these songs, you were already thinking about the kind of sound this record's going to have. Yeah, I knew what I wanted to go for. I wanted to make a record that was that made people happy, I wanted to make an upbeat record. Uh, I was tired of all the sad boy music, and I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted people to be happy. So I had in, I had in mind, there's a Whalen record from the '80s uh, called uh, "The Entertainer." It's got like uh, "Never Could Toe the Mark" on it. It's got sparkly brown mm-hmm. eyes. It's got the people up in te- the people up in Texas. And I thought of, like, that record, and I thought of, uh, like, that ZZ Top record uh, has, like, legs on it. And, um, yep. like, that kind of, I wanted to have a good time. And, uh, and so that's where this record kind of came from, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, let, let's talk about one of the songs that I think kind of goes to what you're talking about. Big Old Good, right? Yeah. This is a good example, I think, of this direction. It's got that kind of boogie feel to it, a little bit of that ZZ Top thing you were talking about, right? Can you talk about how this one came together? Yeah, so I was kind of thinking of like uh, kind of rock and roll uh, with that song um, and a little bit of Confederate Railroad too, you know, like that 80s Mm. country, 90s country kind of feel uh, when it comes into the chorus, you know. And... um, but yeah, we were we were on tour. We were in North Carolina, I think, and uh, 
we were heading to play a gig, and uh, we were, went past a corn dog restaurant, and I said, "Oh, I guess we're on Corn Dog Mountain," you know, just being funny, and uh, <laughs> and that's kind of like the beginning of that song. I was just thinking about how carefree my lifestyle was, you know, and and I have a six year old at home, and I had a twenty year old at home, and I had my wife at home, and uh, and that's kind of like the spark of that song, you know, and then. Yeah. It turned into that. Corn Dog Mountain. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> Mama's making house, baby needs a toy. talked about going out being with your band and what that means to you i want to talk a little bit more about live performance what do you think is important to a good live show what are you trying to bring to the audience when you're out there i always want to bring the audience to us like i never want to feel overpowering or forced on anybody you know and i think a lot of people Mm -hmm. a lot of musicians struggle with that but if you're good people are going to listen to you and, um, I mean, all shows are different. Depending on where you are in the United States, all shows are different. If you're down in Texas, people are going to dance. Because that's what people do in Texas. They love music down there. And, uh, yeah. you know, if you're in the Midwest or you're up on the Northeast, I mean, people don't dance. They get drunk and they might get violent or you just never know. Um, hey, I, I'm up in the Midwest. I occasionally dance. I just want to say that for the record. Okay, well, we'll see. Next time I see, <laughs> see you, you're going to have to show me. But uh, I got some moves, let me tell you. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, like, you know, it's always different. Yeah. Let's talk about the song, Want to Do Something. Okay. To me, this song lays out the dilemma that comes up in other ways on, on, in some of your other songs this conflict of pursuing your calling in music, living this road life, which is a hard life, but you can't get away from it, right? Is this, I imagine this is something you've wrestled with over time. Yep. So can you talk about this song in terms of that conflict in your life? Sure, sure. Yeah, it's, uh, I think any musician or artist or any anybody that has a passion for something, uh, they know what I'm talking about. Like you, I would always try to just work a straight job. Uh, I always wanted to do that, right? Just have a comfortable life, like go to work, come home, have dinner. Like, let's not make a big deal of it. And, uh, but it's never been that way for me. It's always, I I don't know if I want to stir up trouble or if I want to, I don't know what it is, but like the thing we were talking about with songwriting, like your head just starts going. And it's not anything I, it's not like I think like, oh, I need to write a new song. No, it's just your head just talking to you. And um, yeah, 
So it's 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 an ongoing battle. Yeah. The irony of having written some songs on this record about the conflicts of life as a touring musician, life on the road, and then being stuck at home for 18 months is kind of weird, right? <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. Uh, because uh, before the pandemic, I think it was 2019, I told my wife, I was like, I don't want to be 45 years old riding around in a van. I don't want to do it. Right. And then... Now that it's almost 2022, and uh, that's all I want to do, you know. <laughs> so, Get back out there. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it wears yeah. on you, dude. But whatever. I believe it. You mentioned a kung fu before, but I understand you practice martial arts, jujitsu. Do I have that right? Yeah, that's right. So the be- the beginning of the pandemic hit, and uh, and everybody's just trying to figure out what they want to do. And I was like, you know what? I'm 42 years old. I've never learned how to fight. You know, you always get beat up or get in some street brawl or something growing up. You know. But you don't really mm-hmm. know how to fight. You know what I'm saying? So I, it, it's always been one of those things that's just been on me. And so I was like, you know what? Since I'm not doing anything else, I'm going to learn how to fight. And I'm and I'm super green to the martial arts world. Uh, I've always been a fan of boxing and, and martial arts. But I never, like, I'm just kind of, like, scratching the surface. But uh, the... When you start to get involved in that world, you see the you see how much heart and how much uh, generosity and how much kindness and is shown in the martial arts world and uh, and it's a powerful thing when you're engaging in physical combat with people for a year and a half, almost two years. Um, you really like see the good side of people, you know, <laughs> and um, and I, it's it just comes from such an honest and pure place, and uh, and that's why it's it's made such a big difference in my life, you know. So, yeah, do you bring some of that then back to your music and your songwriting? Do you think? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember training one day. And I got to go to an afternoon class, and I rolled with a guy at the end of the class, and we went hard. And uh, I remember just being so tired when I left and uh, just so worn down. And I went downstairs to eat <clears throat> eat after I was done training, and I was watching a fight on uh, on the TV, and it was just these two women just going at it, and they were they were going hard. I just got so emotional, you know, just like, 
I don't know what it was. I was just overwhelmed with emotion. And uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, when you experience that, you can. It, it just circles right back into music, you know. Like it's art, martial arts. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. It's powerful stuff, man. Yeah. Um, let's get back to some of these songs. I want to talk about the song "Red Roses." This is the one that kind of stopped me in my tracks. Your vocal performance here is so great. It really brings out the emotion in the lyrics so wonderfully, not just in like the beautiful melody lines in the chorus, but the phrasing choices you make throughout the song I found really great. Um, can you talk about this one maybe in terms of uh, thinking about how you use your voice and vocal delivery to, to convey the spirit or emotion of this song? Yeah, I did, I, the song wasn't really... I had the guitar idea like months before. I think we were backstage somewhere and I was just kind of playing that that first few chords on the guitar. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's kind of neat. And then just one night, for some reason, my son and my wife were downstairs and I just grabbed my guitar and came up here to the kitchen table I'm sitting at right now. And, uh, and the song was done in like five, ten minutes, you know. <laughs> um, and I don't know, I don't know, it just, it came out of a place of um, uh, just, things are tough, man. Things get tough when you're, when you're traveling and, uh, and being away from home, things get tough, you know. So it was just a, it was just a song that came out of just, you know, of what was going on at the time. Yeah, there was nothing fancy about that song, it's just what it was, you know. So when you're choosing the way that you sing a song like this, are you making choices about your vocal delivery or phrasing, or is that just that just what comes out of you? Because it works um, as well. No, I pick it. Like I'm, of course, I'm picky about it, right? Like, yeah, uh, maybe the second verse is um, is uh, um, blue skies and it's raining, but we don't ever see the light. It seems like every day we're praying that we'll just get along tonight. And, like, of course, I, like, when I come up with that line, I'm figuring out how to sing it, cut it off, you know, all that. Edit it. Yeah. Well, it works so well. It's great. Thank you. Goodbye LA, um, the title track. This is a really well crafted song. I, I like how you're kind of using the city of LA and what it represents as a metaphor for the decisions you make about your career, right, in your life. I was particularly struck by the line in the chorus LA, you got some pretty ladies, but they don't want babies, and I do, right? Mm-hmm. 
this kind of this is really like direct and honest language. It kind of hits you dead on. I think I read that you are a fan of Billy Joe Shaver. Do I have that right? I am. Yeah. This lyric kind of reminds me of something he might have written, kind of just that straight-ahead, honest lyric. Have you been maybe inspired by him in terms of lyrical style, do you think? Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, one of my favorite lines he wrote, um, I think it's Omaha. You've been, uh, what does he say? I'm turning all the roads I've walked around the other way. I'm coming back to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, who writes like that? Who figures out a way to say, I'm returning home, and then just says that so beautifully, you know? And yeah. uh, I don't know. Yeah, he's uh, he's one of the greatest. Yeah. Can you talk about this song, Good uh, Goodbye L.A., and how this one came about? Yeah. Uh, this is, uh, we were in L.A., and we were going to Jonathan Tyler, to his house in Austin in like two days and we were going to record some demos and um, we were at the we were leaving the show and we have this rule and I'll tell you but I you know whoever else hears this but we have a rule that it has to be maybe hopefully a few people are going to hear it it, (laughs) you have to be two miles down the road and windows up before you say anything you know and uh But we were sitting outside, and we were getting in the van, and there was just beautiful women everywhere. And uh, and we were all joking around, just like dudes do. And we were saying, yeah, mm-hmm. these, you know, there's beautiful ladies, but they don't want babies, you know? It was totally just being funny. Uh, and I was like, that is fantastic. And, um, and that song really kind of turned a corner for me uh, when I figured that out. It like flipped a switch inside of me, and we were so we we went and recorded it with John, and he helped us figure it out. And uh, I wrote the second verse on the way to John's, and um, and then we we did a demo, and then it was uh, like a month or two later we were in Ohio playing a taco joint, making hardly any money, and there were some people there to see us, and I remember playing Goodbye LA. And um, and after the song was done, somebody yelled out, sell out, you know, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I it made me laugh. So hard. like I was just like it kind of kicked me in gear to be like, you know what, I'm just going to do whatever I want, you know, and that's <laughs> kind of where this record came from. It's just on that feeling of like, you know what, I'm not never going to make anybody happy. So I'm just going to do what I want, you know. But it kind of opened a door. It it opened the yeah. door for the rest of the record, and it opened a door for me personally, you know. Back home it's raining. Out here is sun. She hates when I'm leaving. It tells me that she's done.
talked about Billy Joe Shaver a little bit. Can you talk a little bit more about what you think makes a good song, what quality songwriting is to you, or maybe some other songwriters that you have been influenced by? Um, I've been recently listening to uh, Guy Clark a lot. and uh, There you go. Yeah, I mean, and then, you know, I, I've been listening to some Howlin' Wolf, and uh, I like the honesty in blues music. Uh, I like the poetry and Guy Clark's stuff, you know, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's so many good songwriters, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> a lot of those Texas guys really knew, really had something going on, man. You know, uh, sure did. you listen to redheaded stranger and it might be the, the, the ideal, like, like album that everybody wishes they did you know um yep so i mean i love that record and any i love willie nelson so yeah all right jeremy i appreciate you taking this time I, i'm gonna let you go in a few minutes i want to ask you one kind of maybe big pic, big picture question as you look back on your career songwriter musician is there something or some things you think you've gotten better at over time or maybe something you're trying to get better at now uh, I feel like I've, I'm really green and I'm just kind of scratching the surface or maybe like just starting to figure out that it's not a big deal. Like things aren't a big deal. And hmm. just to try to enjoy letting go a little bit and and uh, just playing music. Because you can get a lot, of, like you can get uh, from outside sources, you can get kind of, beat down a little bit but uh yeah i just um it's just, the load feels a little bit lighter you know yeah that's great well thanks again so much for taking this time i really enjoyed this conversation i think this new record is really great i think it's going to get some great attention congratulations in advance and uh we'll all be looking for you out on the road sometime soon all right I and i'll be dancing it. All right, yeah. I'm excited to see that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jeremy, thanks. All right, thank you. Just